CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. That's 1 888 Ask CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's host. And hello, everybody. I'm Jeff Wickwire, sitting in for Mike Kessler today. I'm the pastor of uh, Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, where we're expecting a cold front to come slamming through here anytime now. So good to be with all of you today across America. Thank you for tuning in. We're here to answer your Bible questions. Many of you have questions about the Bible. And as we said yesterday, there's not a bad question about the Bible. If there's something that you really need cleared up, you've wondered about maybe uh, your whole life or for quite some time now, and it would really clear some cobwebs out of your mind to get that question answered, give us a call. We're right here at 8888-ASK-CSN. That's 8888-ASK-CSN. And uh, the board's completely open. You call now, you're going to get in. That's for sure. So jump while the jumping is good and give us a call, 8888-ASK-CSN. And with me today, co-hosting is Daryl Skinner of the uh, church in the uh, Calvary Chapel in Pearl Harbor. And uh, good to have you today, Daryl. And I understand you're having a conference. Yes, we are. And aloha to you, Jeff, and to all the listeners out there, to Every Man and Answer. It's a joy to be on once again. We are having a conference. It's starting this Friday and all day Saturday. Starts Friday at 6 o'clock till 9 o'clock. It's absolutely free. Then Saturday from 9.30 to 4 o'clock. What's it all about? It's about apologetics and the impact team from Reasons for Hope. There, we have several teachers, Carl Kirby, Frank Figueroa. Uh, we have Dr. Juan Valdez, myself. We're going to be sharing on the importance of apologetics, not only for young people. It's really available for junior high students, through high school, through college, but also, most importantly, for the adults. But we'd like to see them all come together as families and learn the Word of God, know how to contend for the faith, and be a very blessed uh, family, and also be winning other family members and friends to uh, salvation. So it's going to be a great time. We call it impact. It's time to spark, ignite the world for Christ. And uh, it's going to be a great, uh, great uh, two days. It's absolutely free at Calvary Chapel Pearl Harbor. For more information, just go to our website, Calvary Chapel Pearl Harbor. We'd love to see you attend here if you're in the area, of course. And uh, if you're not in the area, well, fly on in if you get here that quickly. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll have a great time together. But it's going to be a great conference with great topics and I'll be preaching on the power of God's word, and uh, it's it's just going to be a, a thrilling time. If you've ever heard of a debunked video, which you can pull up on the internet and watch, they're great little short vignettes of debunking the lies that the world throws at us in a variety of ways from science or about the Bible and so forth. They're called debunk videos, and uh, th- this is the, the team that's put all these things together, and they have a great podcast called Reasons for Hope. And uh, we're going to have a really, really, really blessed time. So thank you for allowing me to give that shameless plug, because we are not ashamed of the gospel mm-hmm. of Christ. Amen. Hey, Jeff, good well, to be with you. Know, hey, good to be with you. And we're, that's what our show uh, is all about. This is an apologetics program. We, uh, You know, people hear apologetics and they go, what are you apologizing for? <laughs> it comes from the Greek word, as you know, Daryl, apologia. It means to defend. It, it is giving a, a, a an intelligent, rational Biblical answer to people's questions, uh, to atheists, agnostics, people that just can't get past something in the Bible that really makes them stumble. And uh, you're giving a defense of the faith. Jude 
said that we were to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So that's an apologetics verse. And uh, so, hey, hats off to you for doing that. I believe every church ought to have an apologetics course. Uh, If ever there was a time that the saints need to be armed with answers uh, for the faith that is in them, it's now. So good for you, Daryl. The only thing you missed is you didn't invite me to speak. I mean, you know, uh, what we am I were gonna going to, to do? but we know how busy you are. We didn't want to <laughs> put any pressure, extra pressure on you, Jeff. But next time well, we'll work on that. Yeah, to get then me we'll get to the Hawaii. Whole team from everyone from to every man answer. We'll get all out here to Hawaii and you can all speak. Oh, by that the way, what, you, you mentioned a weather report there at Fort Worth, Texas. Well, we're having a warm weather front coming through Hawaii right now. It's just really beautiful, about 75, 85 degrees. But we're going to make it. We're going to survive. You just like doing that, don't you? You you love doing that. I'm sorry. That's that is not nice. That's not very Christian of me. I know. Before I we go, just real real quickly, they're calling <laughs> here in Texas this coming Monday. It's supposed to be high of 27 and a low of seven. So, oh my! No, Daryl. God bless you. Somebody's got a pastor in Hawaii. Yeah, it, I guess it, it's you. I, some reason I have to suffer in the sun. I don't know what yeah. it is. All right, everybody, one more time. The number, 8888-ASK-CSN. And we will get to your questions. We've still got some open lines. Jump right now. Make that call, and uh, let's see if we can answer your question. Let's go now to Jack in Decatur, Texas. Hello, Jack. How can we help? Oh, how are you doing? Oh, yes, I I just wanted to ask a question. Is uh, I'm having a real hard time uh, supporting the president. you know, nation of Israel for what they're doing in Gaza. And uh, I just wondered, you know, I, you know, I understand how, how the Lord says, you know, for the gospels, you know, take their enemies, but for the father's sake, their beloved, you know, but I don't think he's talking about the nation or the people that are there right now. It's kind of like, you know, you believe in the universal church or your universal body of Christ, you, can, you can't say, well, it's only at Mr. Wick, Wickwire's church, right? It's all over. And I think the same thing with Israel, the true true Jews, the true Jewish believers that will become Christians or are already Christians, they're spread out throughout the world because, for instance, uh, Pearl Harbor, Calvary Chapel, uh, how, how many Palestinian refugees are you going to take there? How many would you? Okay, be? I, I don't know. I don't know Let what me, to, what what to, why you want to go there with this type of argument. I'm not really sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me just say re- regarding what's going on in Gaza. Uh, first of all, Israel was attacked. They were attacked first. They were attacked viciously. Uh, innocent citizens were mowed down, slaughtered, tortured. Um, you know the things that they did to Israelis in the attack were, I, I can't even say them. It's, it's hard for me to even say it. Mm-hmm. What they did to babies, what they did to uh, pregnant mothers. It's uh, straight out of the pits of hell. So the aggression, the, the first attack was made against Israel. Now, Israel is responding by, by rooting out the terrorist group Hamas. Now, you, you mentioned Gaza. Let's, let's just talk about Gaza for a second. How did Hamas get in charge of Gaza? Gaza voted them in. The citizens of Gaza voted in Hamas to rule that place, to rule them, to to be their leaders. 
We know for a fact that Hamas took uh, humanitarian aid, different money sent from different countries. And instead of pouring it into the citizens, they poured it into weapons. They stole from their own citizens that they ought to be taken care of, and they spent the money shamelessly on weapons, allowing their own people, the people of Gaza, to suffer in poverty and disease and all kinds of uh, trouble. Now, Hamas must be rooted out because it's it's like any war. It's either kill or be killed. This is the reality of war. Uh, I think it was General MacArthur, I'm not sure, but he just put it this way, war is hell. War is hell. Any war is hell. And when you look at World War II, for instance, uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of innocent citizens on both sides of the ocean were, were killed. Uh, in, in, in England, they were killed. Uh, you know, it's the fact that uh, citizens get caught in the crossfire of war is one of the terrible, terrible tragedies of war. But that's what's happening in Gaza right now. Uh, they, they voted in a terrorist group who have one thing in mind. We're going to take Israel out. We don't want to just uh, occupy the land. We want Jews to be exterminated. We want Jewish genocide. So they're faced with the predicament, either we take out Hamas or Hamas has every intention of taking us out. So what do you do? You defend yourself. You defend your country. And that's what they're doing. What's happening to some citizens in Gaza? Terrible. It's tragic. But they're rooting out. And, let, and let's also remember here, Jack, and then I'll go to Daryl for uh, some comments. But let's remember, Israel went into the towns they were going to attack. And they warned the citizens, get out. We're going to bomb this place. We're going to level it. We're going to take Hamas out. They had the humanity of going into those towns, various little places in, in Gaza, throughout Gaza, and warn them that they had X amount of time to get out, and then they were going to bomb that place. Did Hamas do that? Hamas wouldn't even think of doing that. Uh, so, again, the Israelis showed humanitarian concern. They did what is almost never done in war. You don't go in to, to little towns and places you're about to bomb and give the citizens time to get out. I mean, the Germans didn't do that for the people of England that they carpet bombed all the time. And innocent England, English citizens died daily by the, the relentless carpet bombing of Germany. So all I'm saying is, Jack, there's more to the story. And if Israel had not been attacked, this would not be happening. So, uh, Daryl, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, when we look at the history of uh, the Palestinian Authority uh, going back to, uh, what was his name, uh, Farak or something like that, uh, you know, they've always been against Israel, and now you have Hamas take over, and they have declared they want to see the destruction of Israel completely, along with the other Muslim countries, and they've been sending rockets into Israel for two decades. And yet Israel has had to put up with this because of the the global uh, uh, attitude towards Israel and their, their attitude towards, really, Islam and the destruction of Israel. And the Bible speaks of all these things, but God's hand is upon Israel. 
We see it. They became a nation in 1948. Jesus referred to this as the parable of the fig tree. Uh, Ezekiel talks about in Ezekiel 36 and 37 that they would come back in land in the last days. So we're seeing all this as a fulfillment of Bible prophecy, and there's going to be enemies against Israel, and Israel has every right to defend itself the way it is right now. Now, it is interesting. Why is it the Islamic countries, Muslim countries, are not taking in these Palestinians in their country? Why is Egypt not taking them? Why is Jordan not taking them in? Why is Syria not taking them in? Because they don't want them, because they know they're trouble. And that's the reality. And so now they've been pushed into these refugee camps. And, and you know what? They still want to see the destruction of Israel. There's no surrender from Hamas. There's no surrender from the Gaza Strip and the people of of, of the, the, what they call the Palestinians and so forth. There's no surrender. And there's no giving back the hostages right now. And so what are they doing? Israel's at war, just like we were at war during the Gulf War or uh, or uh, uh, the, uh, the, the latest one with the towers and so forth, 9-11. So it's important for us to realize what's taking place and uh, pray for Israel, pray for the Jewish people. There's a lot of them praying to God right now. And I believe this is preparatory probably for the great tribulation period when those 144,000 Jews are preaching the gospel of Christ and and almost all of Israel will be coming to faith in Christ uh, during the tribulation period. So uh, I don't want to get in the way of this thing, but God says, I'm going to bless the countries that bless Israel. I'm going to curse the countries that curse Israel. And I wouldn't want to be cursing Israel right now. I would want to be upholding what they're doing. Not that everything they do is absolutely right, but they have every right to defend themselves like we would or any other country to defend themselves against their enemies. Uh, Jeff, I'll give it back to you. So, Jack, I hope that helps. I I know you're particularly bothered with um, the fact that uh, there's been a call for taking Palestinians uh, in America. Uh, That's another topic altogether. But Israel defending itself, they're doing what anybody what a brain would do, you know, Hamas is there. What they did just on a humanitarian level shows a level of depravity. That's hard to describe. It's really hard to even put into English. It's, it's barbarism on steroids. So anyway, Jack, I hope that helps. And uh, thanks for calling in and uh, for your comments and taking the time to uh, give us a ring. God bless you there in Decatur. And let's go on now to, I think it's uh, Tobiatha, Tabitha, in Biggs, California. Hello. Is it Tabitha or Tobiatha? It's Tobiatha. Okay. There we go. How can we help Tobiatha? Here's my question. My brother and I were talking. We have an uncle that was a pastor forever. And before he died, my brother was talking to him about what about the people that live in the jungle that never seen Christ, never heard of Christ, not seen him, but don't have the Bible, know nothing about him. Nobody's ever seen them. So they're just used to their little tribe. He says, well, they go to heaven. And my uncle, he said, my uncle said, no. And I said, that's not true because they will see something that God created and know that there's something greater than, you know, that greater than them that created this. And he says, yeah, but that they're going to end up worshiping, the stars or the tree or whatever. And I said, I, I don't know. So I was trying to get an answer that I could give him that would make sense. Okay. This is a, a tough one. And really the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about this. I wish it did say more, but it doesn't say a whole lot about it. But what it does say is very, very telling. It says that uh, God has made himself known. Let me just read it to you. Romans 1. 
uh, verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. This is verse 18, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, listen to verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest first in them. Okay, so something is happening inside of every human being regarding God's revealing himself to them. He goes on to say in verse 19, for God has shown it to them. Then verse 20, he says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. By what? Our eyeballs. They're, they're all around us. Nature, the creation of the world, the universe, the incredible creation of God that surrounds us. He says, being understood by the things that are made. So what is understood by what is made? The invisible things of God. In other words, what is made tells us a lot about God. That's what he's saying. He even says, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now that's telling us. Every human being has two witnesses right off the bat regarding the reality of God. When he says uh, that which is known of God is manifested in them, that's talking about their conscience. It says in another place that God has written his law into the hearts of every human being. You know, we know instinctively it's wrong to steal, wrong to kill, wrong to lie. Uh, we know instinctively we have guilt. Where does, what does guilt come from? It comes from a conscience. Where does that come from? It comes from God who wrote his law in our heart. So the conscience testifies that there is a maker. There is a law giver. There is a higher uh, being to whom we will answer. That's where guilt comes from. But then the second testimony is nature all around us. You know, uh, my own dad, quickly, my dad didn't believe my testimony about Jesus for like 20 years. I, my dad was an intellectual. He was a member of Mensa. Uh, he had a really bright mind. He was very widely read. He was a natural conservative guy. He was not liberal. He was conservative. But he rejected the gospel. He told me once, Jeff, I just can't comprehend the atonement. That's what he said to me. So for him, it was a cerebral quest. If it didn't make sense, then he couldn't go with it. But one day, he came out of the backyard. I was sitting at the table. I could never forget it. And he said, you know, Jeff, there's no way... That out there just happened. I said, what do you mean, Dad? He said, I was watching a squirrel in a tree. And I was looking at that squirrel. And I was looking at the tree. And I was just observing that particular part of God's created order. And it just hit me like a sledgehammer. There's no way this came about by way of evolution. It had to be created. Now, that's my dad. And after that, I was able to lead him to Christ. Not that moment, but a couple of years later, I did pray the sinner's prayer with him. But that was the beginning. And where did he get it? He got it from looking at nature. And I think that his it, it was a trigger. Well, if there's a God, then what is this stuff about Jesus? And God used nature to get my dad on the right track. Now, you're not going to find salvation studying nature, but you are going to say to yourself, there has to be a God. And I believe if you say that, God's going to see to it that some way, somehow, the gospel gets to you. 
And uh, so those two ways, um, uh, Tobiatha, the conscience within us tells us there's more, and the creation around us tells us there's more. Daryl? Yeah, you know, as we look to God, does he not care about every single person on the planet? It's not just us here in Hawaii or those in Fort Worth, Texas, or those in Biggs, California. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, the whole world, he's concerned about the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God cares about everybody. The job of the Holy Spirit also is to convict the world of sin. We read about that in John 16, of righteousness and of judgment. He's, he's, his, his work is global, and it's with every person. They could be in the, the deepest jungles of the Congo or the Amazon, wherever it might be. And they might be on some island outskirts in the Pacific, whatever. God is just as concerned about their salvation as he was about our salvation. We've come to Christ. And God can send a, a dream to that individual. God can send an angel to that individual. God could send a missionary to that individual. And that individual has every opportunity, like everybody else, to come to Christ. Because God is fair. God is loving. God wants all—he says— not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. That's a big one, all. And so the problem is, in our minds, we say, well, what about this person? Well, it may be difficult for us to see them, but is it difficult for God, the one who knows how many hairs are on our head and they're all numbered? Is it difficult for God who made the universe, who knows the, the cells in our bodies and the atoms in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, his creation? It's, it's not impossible for him. He is the Almighty he is omnipresent, the Bible says. He's omniscient, the Bible says. He's omnipotent, the Bible says. He's immutable, the Bible says. This is who our God is, and he's a God of love. He's a God of life, and he, he's, he's a God of uh, always wanting to reach us with, with the salvation. He's, he doesn't want people to perish. But you know what? If you want to fight against God, Jesus talks about in John chapter 3, they, they, love, the, they love the darkness. They, they're, they're condemned because they won't believe that there's a God who's a creator, uh, and they'll worship the stars or the sun or the moons or the trees or whatever else. They worship the creature instead of the creator. And this is vitally important for us. But to we, I, I blame God for nothing. I blame us for everything because we're the ones that create the problems. We're the ones in unbelief. We're the ones that just can't see that this is a beautiful, incredible creation by a magnificent creator who is God. God that has loved us and gave us only son for us. So, this is this is an argument that's fallacious because it's the idea that God is like us. He's in one place at one time. No, he's not. He's in all places at all times. And he's working on every single human heart to bring them to his great and glorious salvation. So much so, now listen, he gave his only son to die a horrible, bloody death upon the cross. That is the sacrificial love of Jesus and of our Heavenly Father for our salvation. And uh, this is God's work. So he knows who's going to be in heaven, who's, who's going to reject him. But uh, he's always trying to save souls because he loves us so tremendously. Jeff? So I hope that helps, Tobias. Uh, it's, it's, I, I believe, and I always quote this, uh, but it has spoken to me so often. When Abraham was um, interceding on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and his family before judgment fell, he said this to the Lord. It was, it was a rhetorical question. He knew the answer. He was making a statement by asking a question. He said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And of course, the answer is, yes, he will. So people on the far-flung reaches of the earth in some remote jungle, um, how does God deal with them? Well, they're human beings, therefore they have his law written in their heart, and they have the testimony 
of nature all around them to at least tell them there is a God. Now, what he does with them after that, I say with Abraham, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And he will. And I believe if they were to say this, God, if you're there, please show yourself to me. I believe mm-hmm. that God would somehow, some way, get the gospel of Christ to them. I do. So I hope that helps, Tobiatha. It does. Thank you so much. <laughs> Such a good answer I have now. It's a great question. It's, it's many a great people question. Ask it. yeah. It's a great question. And thanks for calling it in. You're you're very special. And we are concerned about everybody across the whole world. And so is God. And let's just keep reaching them for Christ as, as he calls us to. I've heard of Muslims in, in, uh, in Iran and different places. You know, they have this dream and it's Jesus appearing to them in the dream and they come to salvation. So whatever, whatever however God wants to do it, uh, he's going to do it. And uh, we leave it up to him. He knows the heart of every individual. God bless you, Tabitha. Thank you, Tabitha. Tabitha. So, you be blessed yeah, there. And uh, yeah, be blessed in California. And uh, stay on the line. They'll get you a couple of DVDs or uh, gifts for calling in. And thank you for it. And let's go now to Carol in my neck of the woods, Texas. Hi, Carol. How can we help? Hello, pastors. Thanks for taking my call. I have a question on Second Kings chapter 20 where Hezekiah uh, is sick, and uh, he's talking. And actually, let's go down to verse 8, 9, 10, and 11, where he says that he wants the shadow to go backward 10 degrees. What does that mean? Okay. Um, A lot of controversy has swirled around this, and people have offered all kinds of explanations because the testimony of the Bible let me quickly just just read it for our listeners. And if we do come up on a break, don't go anywhere, Carol, because we are coming up on one pretty quickly. Uh, hang with us, and we'll get right back to you after the break. But as the break is coming up, let me just read. Uh, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what's going to be the sign the Lord will heal me? Because Hezekiah was almost ready to die when God told Isaiah you're going to be, that he was going to be healed. So Hezekiah wanted a sign a confirmation that he was indeed going to be healed. And Isaiah said, This sign shall you have from the Lord. The Lord will do the thing that he has spoken. Then Isaiah said, Shall the shadow on the sundial go forward 10 degrees or go backward 10 degrees? Hezekiah said, Well, it's a light thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. Let the shadow return backward 10 degrees. And the Bible says that's what happened. Stay tuned, everybody. We're going to answer that when we come right back from the break. If babies in their mother's womb could speak, what would they say? Did you know an unborn baby's heart is already beating at just three weeks? By five weeks, you can hear their heartbeat on ultrasound. And that's where Preborn's network of clinics step in. The heartbeat is the voice of the preborn, and you can share their voice in a big way. I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry, and it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. (laughs) 
Preborn is the nation's largest provider of free ultrasounds, and every day they rescue 200 babies' lives. Will you speak for those who cannot speak for themselves? To find out more about the life-saving work of Preborn, visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax-deductible, and Preborn has a 100% charity rating. Your love can save a life. You know, these days, so refreshing to get some good news about how to pay for health care, especially if you're 65 or older, you know just how brutal costs can be. Well, MediShare now has a new option for you. It's called MediShare 65 Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. And it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. If you've got Medicare Parts A and B, MediShare 65 Plus fills in those gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too, because it starts at only $99 a month for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access, prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Just very worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is taking applications now. And if you call with the promo code SHARE before January 31st, your second month will be free. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. everybody. Welcome back to To Every Man and Answer. I'm Jeff Wickwire, sitting in for Mike Kessler. Uh, and uh, I'm the pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Good to have you with us. And our lines are full. We've got a, a cut. Well, they're almost full. So if you want to give us a call and uh, get your question in, you can call us at 888-ASK-CSN. Very simple. And uh, we'll do our best to get to your call. With me is Daryl Skinner, pastor of Calvary Chapel in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and uh, we had a question from Carol uh, just before going on the break. She asked about a verse in Second Kings, well, several verses, uh, chapter 20, uh, where uh, King Hezekiah has almost died of a sickness. Isaiah the prophet is told by God that he's going to be healed. Hezekiah wanted to know, how am I going to be healed, or, or how can I know for sure I'm going to be healed? And Isaiah really put some major cards on the table and said, well, God's going to move the sundial back. And it says, Hezekiah, he gave Hezekiah the option, do you want the shadow on the sundial going forward or do you want it going backward? Hezekiah said, well, no big deal if it goes forward, but if it goes backward, that's a bigger deal. So Isaiah the prophet, in verse 11, cried to the Lord, and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it had gone down in the dial of Ahaz. And, of course, in those days, they kept time by sundials and the shadow that the rising or setting sun would cause in different levels or different steps on the sundial. And so for uh, Isaiah to say, okay, God's going to move it back uh, 10 degrees, then that's almost like saying time is going to go backward. Now, This was done, we're not told how it was done, but the Bible testifies that it was done, that it happened, that God brought the shadow 10 degrees backward. 
that's like if we were looking at our wristwatches and, you know, right now I'm showing 5.30 central time and I just said, God, move it back. And we went into daylight savings time by an act of God and we went into a fall forward and lost an hour or gained an hour, uh, but uh, spring forward lost an hour that God would literally, uh, now if you're going to go scientific with it, that means the gravitation of the earth went backward. Uh, how God did it, we don't know. Was, did the revolution of the earth upon its axis uh, go back? Was it renewed for a time or reversed for a time rather? Uh, most people reject this now because um, I'm not a scientist, but it would seem if it did reverse, then gravity would have been withheld and everything would have gone flying around. Uh, that's my, my unscientific guess. Uh, so how did it happen? We don't know, but there is an interesting passage in second Chronicles 32, 31. And when you go to second Chronicles 32, 31, we read about some of the works of Hezekiah, who was given 15 extra years when he was healed. This same Hezekiah also stopped the upper water course of Gihon. He brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David and Hezekiah prospered in all of his works. Now, he got a visit from some ambassadors from the princes of Babylon, and the Bible says in verse 31, they came to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land. Now, what was the wonder that was done in the land, the land being the land of Judah? It seems that this going back of the sundial, this apparent or seeming reversal of time, was located only in Judah, and others knew about it. And so the, this, this set of ambassadors came to inquire of Hezekiah about this miracle. And uh, so something happened. We know that. We know that it was visible to Isaiah. It was visible to Hezekiah, no doubt visible to others that were standing around and saw the shadow go back on the sundial. So I in no way doubt the testimony of the Word of God. We just don't know in particular how the miracle happened, but that a miracle did happen is beyond dispute. Daryl? Yeah, that's about the best answer we can give is, is this is a miracle of God, just as you have Jonah and swallowed by the great whale and being barfed up on the beach later on, you know, three days later. Uh, there are miracles of God that we we look and we believe by faith because God is our creator. He's He's omnipotent. He can do anything he wants. It's his creation. And how he does it, uh, we it's, we all wish we had more details on this. But there was uh, this event. He was able to take uh, the sun's shadow, move it backwards uh, by 10 steps on the sundial. And so 10 degrees, that is, on the sundial. And so we believe it by faith. Uh, faith comes right here and hearing by the word of God. We believe it by faith. And we trust in God and the miracles of, of God and of Christ as we, they've been displayed to us in the Holy Scriptures. And uh, I just wish we had more information to say, hey, it was, yeah. done, it was done exactly this way, uh, you know, we eclipse, I don't know, but uh, some way, somehow it, it did take place. And this is uh, God's creation, and he answers the prayer of, uh, of Isaiah. And we also and remember Hezekiah. Yeah, and we also remember, um, Carol, that when Jesus hung on the cross, uh, there was a total eclipse at high noon. Yeah. It became as dark as night. 
so there you have God covering the land with deep darkness when it was high noon and the sun was at its highest. How did that happen? Well, it was an act of God. It was just a literal act of God. You know, God can suspend natural law anytime he wants. Uh, He made law. He made all natural law, gravity and everything else. So as he suspended natural law when Christ hung on the cross and there was gross darkness across the land and uh, that is in history books. Josephus wrote of it. Then something happened here as well that uh, was a miracle. It was an act of God and it let Hezekiah know it's a done deal. You've got 15 extra years Mm -hmm. and here's my confirmation. So I hope that helps, Carol. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it was pretty much what I already thought, but I just wanted to check with you guys. But I can only tell you soon and very soon, we're all going to know exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Think about it. When the Lord returns, he's really going to suspend natural law. He's going to take gravity away for the church because we're going up against Mm -hmm. all rules of gravity. So God can do that. Anytime he wants. So, Carol, thank you for calling from Texas. God bless you. Amen. Stay on the line. We've got a couple of gifts for you. And uh, thanks for calling. And you be blessed and stay warm with the cold front that's about to hit. All right? Yes, it is. Let's it's go. Time. Yeah. Let's go now to uh, Robert in Montana. Hey, Robert, how can we help? Hello. Hi, Robert. About the tribulation. Okay. Uh what happens to all the the believers during the tribulation? Do they go through all the bull signs and the seal signs also? If you get saved once the tribulation begins, you will go through it. You will go through the tribulation. Uh, many, many will be martyred. We know it from the testimony of the book of Revelation where a vast number of martyred saints are seen underneath the altar, and uh, they are crying out for vengeance for how they were murdered for their faith. And God does indeed. Part of the judgments that fall are God's vindication and God sending justice for what was done to his people as far as murdering them for their faith. That's, That's part of the judgments that fall. Uh, but they will go through that tribulation. If they survive it, they will go into the millennial reign of Christ. And, um, you know, they will live in that millennial reign. They will have extended life. And it will, they will see a brand new world, a totally new world, under the rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is another topic altogether. But, yes, if you're saved, and there will be many, many saved during the tribulation. Uh, the the 144,000 Jews are going to go throughout the earth preaching the gospel. We see angels going to the four corners of the world, uh, declaring the gospel to the residents or the citizens of earth. So the testimony of Christ goes everywhere during the tribulation, which shows that the mercy and the grace of God is always there, and we're so thankful for it. But yes, they will go through it, Robert. Uh, your thoughts, Daryl? Yeah, and you know, as as they go through it and they receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, they will not take the mark of the beast, and they will go through the cataclysmic events, the judgments of God, and probably very likely will be martyred by the armies of the Antichrist. Uh, it's interesting too, in case people are going, "Well, I'll just wait for, I'll wait to become a Christian 
after this rapture thing and the tribulation starts. Well, here's a warning for for those folks where it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, which speaks of the Antichrist, is the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. People reject the love of the truth, which is Jesus Christ's great salvation. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is a stiff warning by God. Get saved now, because you don't know. You may be part of those who are saved and truly saved, or you're part of those who can never be saved. And because you're going to follow the lie of the Antichrist, you're going to believe he's your Messiah, your Maitreya. And this is going to be strong delusion going on uh, by the Antichrist, everything's going on. And you don't want to play games with your soul. I, I just share with the congregation, listen, Las Vegas always wins, right? Don't gamble with your soul. Make sure you're saved, you're ready to go, and love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And and don't gamble with, uh, well, when I get to that tribulation period, then I'll get saved. You you have You don't even know how long you're going to live. You could die uh, today. Uh, you could be in a car crash. You could have a brain aneurysm. You have a heart attack. Get saved today. Don't wait a second longer. Jesus loves you. He'll forgive you. He'll come into your heart. You'll be born again, and you'll be reserved in heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let's go open the rapture of the church. Jeff? All right. Uh, Jerry, I hope, or not Jerry, Robert, I hope that helps. It did. Um, one, one more thing. Yes. Sure. Uh, I live in Montana, and... We are getting ready for a 44 below wind chill. Oof. Oh, mercy. Yeah, that is that is mega cold. Uh, our prayers are your way. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's cold, Robert. Thank you for calling there in frigid Montana. Stay on the line. We'll get you a couple of gifts for calling in, all right? Let's Thank go you. now to Jerry in Missoula, another one from Montana. I got Montana calls today. Hi. Hello, Jerry. How can we help? Hi there. Um, I just wanted to find out where in the Bible do I find the sinner's prayer? Well, you don't find per se this. Now, of course, I would have to know what sinner's prayer you're talking about, but uh, you don't find a sinner's prayer per se. But what you do find is what every prayer of salvation should contain. Uh, the first word is repent. When you look at uh, John the Baptist, for instance, the, the first word out of his mouth when he began his ministry was repent. First word out of the mouth of our Lord when he began his ministry was repent. When they asked Peter on the day of Pentecost after he preached the first uh, uh, gospel message after the falling of the Holy Spirit, the first when they said, "How do we be saved? How do we? What do we do?" He said, "Repent." So the very first thing every sinner is to do is repent. Admit that we have broken God's laws. We have sin, and that sin has separated us from God, and therefore we need to confess it. It says, confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So the very first word is repent. Then the second thing you do in any genuine sinner's prayer is you confess that Jesus is Lord. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart 
he has been raised from the dead, you will be saved. So repent, confess, believe. It's really that simple. Now, any construct that is made around those three principles, I think is a good sinner's prayer. What bothers me in a lot of the invitations and altar calls given in modern Western churches, particularly these days, is come down and just confess that Jesus is Lord and fill out a card and you're saved. But no, no, a thousand times no. I think we've got tons of false conversions all over the place. Uh, These people are never really were saved. They eventually backslide away. They walk away from Christ because they never really came to know him because their their prayer of salvation was not did not contain repentance. Repentance is the golden word that opens up the kingdom of God to every genuine seeker. You must confess your sin. And if you do that and com- then confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart he was raised from the dead, you will be saved, guaranteed. Promise, no doubt about it. But be sure you repent. You must repent. And that was John the Baptist's message, and they came from everywhere to be baptized. And his baptism was called a baptism of repentance. And that's what blazed the trail for the Lord Jesus to come and pick up where John left off. Daryl? Yeah, when we look at salvation, it can be you can be all by yourself. It could be in a big crusade. It could be in a church service. You could be listening on the radio, watching a someone on television, television, and so forth. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings us to salvation. And uh, as you respond to that conviction that the Holy Spirit has placed upon your heart, how you say it, it's it's up to you. God knows your heart. And uh, when we say the sinner's prayer, uh, there's people that are very sincere when they say it. There's others that are just like uh, uh, Christ in crisis prayers. And, And But yet the opportunity is there. And they need to make that decision. I think what's important is uh, explaining to them what the family of God is all about, that come to church, get into the Word of God. And that really the formula is found in, or the blueprint, I should say, is found in Acts chapter 2. Listen to what Peter says. Peter said to them in Acts 2.38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children. And to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. So here you have the the formula for the for the church. As people are saved, they need to get baptized Okay, water baptized, identifying with Jesus Christ, what he did for them upon the cross, his death and resurrection, and the newness of life that we receive. That's just a, a symbolic thing. It's not a means of salvation. Salvation has already been found by faith. For by faith you've been saved through faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, as anyone should boast. But then they continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. They wanted to learn the scriptures. This is being a disciple. And that's what we also need to explain in churches and, and those invitations. Now you need to go to church. You need to get into the Word of God. Start reading the Gospel of John. Beautiful place to start reading as a brand new believer and get acquainted with Jesus. 
And then it's the, the fellowship, go to church, and then breaking a bread. We're going to have communion together and in prayers. Keep praying to God, and he's going to answer your prayers because he loves you. So I think it's it's important for us to make sure we give the full package, but at the same time, let's not make it overly difficult. Uh, if the person just says, God saved me, he'll save them. If they mean in their heart, they're calling upon Christ. As, as uh, uh, Jeff quoted the uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. With the heart one believes in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when we talk about a sinner's prayer, it could be in a church service, alone, in a crusade, whatever it is. If, if they mean it, they mean it. There'll be that fourth aspect of the parable of the sower, which is going to bring forth fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold, and going to continue on with Christ. If they didn't mean it, well, they're going to fall away, and we're going to keep praying for them that they come back to the cross of Christ. Jeff? Yeah, so I hope that helps, Jerry. Well, um, do you, so for, as part of salvation, though, do you, do you have to go to church, and do you have to be baptized? You will, you will want to. It's yeah. not a, it's not a requirement for salvation, but it, you will want to because the Holy Spirit wants you to be in fellowship. We're the body of Christ. We're one body to, connected together. The Bible says also in Hebrews, forsake not the, 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 the lack of fellowship of believers. You know, come together and stir one another, uh, uh, one another up for love and good works. As also we find that, uh, uh, we're, we're called to this time of, of, uh, getting water baptized because it's it's identifying with the Lord Jesus. It's a testimony of your newfound relationship with Jesus Christ and what a joy it is. So now if you're in a hospital bed, you can't get to water. And if you say sprinkle my forehead, I think Mike shared a good testimony that one time. Uh, that's fine. If people don't get water baptized and they die before they get water baptized, they still go to heaven because Jesus saves, not the water baptism. Jesus saved you with his atoning blood. Jeff? Yeah, and Jerry, to be clear, um, Going to church doesn't save you. Being water baptized doesn't save you. But it does testify to the fact that you're saved. Um, as Daryl said, there's something, when you're born again, you, there is a desire to be around fellow believers. There's a desire to hear the word of God. There's a desire to grow. And there's a desire to follow the Lord in obedience by being water baptized. But neither one of those saves you. But if you want your walk to be fruitful, if you want to to be blessed, the way God wants you to be blessed. You know, he gave the local church for a reason, to support you, uh, strengthen your faith, uh, pray for you, uh, be there for you in times of need, uh, and to provide you the fellowship that you need. So the, the local church has a real, I mean, an outstanding, necessary purpose. And uh, so, and I've never seen anybody that drifted away from church do well. In their faith. I've never seen anybody do well. Matter of fact, when they start to, started to drift, it was indicative that something was going wrong in their spiritual life uh, on a deeper level. So anyway, uh, I hope that helps answer your question, Jerry. That's a great answer. Um, do you have time for one other question? Sure. Okay. I'm wondering in the thousand-year millennium, will those who have lost their children or babies, will they be able to raise them? And what happens with miscarriages? Okay, now I think I understood the question. That in the millennium, will people be able to raise their children? The ones that, that have the lost question? their yeah. well, the ones that have lost their children, you know, to, to you mean who, who lost their children to death before the millennium? Yes. 
Uh, no, I don't see that in scripture. Now, I do believe this. I do believe that God takes children to heaven. Uh, for instance, I believe that every aborted child has a soul. And I believe that every aborted child is taken to heaven. I believe that because I believe that when life is conceived, uh, when, when, when conception happens, a soul is, uh, comes along with it. And when that abortion takes place, you're short circuiting a child into eternity. And I believe they, they go to glory. Young children who uh, live before the age of accountability, I believe they are taken to heaven. Now, I, I don't believe that you will then in the millennium raise them. Whether or not you will recognize them, know them, I can't answer that because the Bible is silent on that. But uh, I do believe that they are in heaven. I believe any child that dies before the age of accountability goes to heaven. God is a good God. No way that a child is sent to hell before they can even decide between right and wrong, good and bad, and uh, so on and so forth. So I do believe that, but as far as raising them in the millennium, utter silence on in Scripture on that, so I can't answer that authoritatively. Uh, Daryl, if you have a thought, I, I don't. It's it's interesting that, uh, you know, as we are raptured up, we're all going to be glorified, and all that have previously died as believers will be glorified. The The question always comes up, what age will we all be? Uh, we're, I know we're going to be forever young, without disease, without death, without sadness, without sin, and so forth. We'll be glorified, just as Christ is glorified and so forth. So we're going to have this glorified body. Are we going to be eight, looking like we're 18 years old? We look like we're 25 years old? We don't know, but everyone, I believe, will be fully grown. Like when God created Adam, he was fully grown, uh, and same with Eve. Uh, and so, but when we go to the millennial kingdom as believers, we return with the Lord, uh, for the thousand years. We're, we're a kingdom of, of priests and, and we're leading people spiritually to worship God and to know Christ and to serve one another, to love one another. We're fulfilling the two commandments. That's going to be our job on earth as we are believers back on earth in our glorified bodies made for the heavens and the earth. So that'll take place. But I think we're all going to be fully grown, uh, to be honest with you. I don't think we're going to find babies yeah. in heaven. We're going to find yeah. fully grown babies in heaven, yeah. if you will. So I don't. we don't see that, Jerry. The Bible is silent on it. So hope that helps anyway. Thank you, it does. Okay. All right, nice. Jerry, thanks for calling in. Uh, we're just about out of time. Let me get Chase in quickly in Reno, Nevada. Chase, you have a matter of seconds. A- ask the question. I'll try to answer it if I can. Hi, thank you so much. So my question is in the book of Genesis. And so on the third day of creation, it's talking about what's taking place and the production of um, vegetation and the forming of waters. And my question lies in uh, the beginning of chapter two, where it wraps up the seven day creation. And it talks about how no shrub had yet appeared, and then it talks about the streams coming up, and then Adam being creative. Yeah. And then eat we, yeah, we got to go, Chase. And I'll, I'll, let me answer you quickly. Chapter two is not chronological. Chapter one is chronological. Chapter two is not. Chapter two pulls in tight on the sixth day of creation more than anything else. Wish I had more time to answer that, but that'll help maybe a little bit. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Daryl, for being with us. God bless. Please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. 
That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 